0: Hello, and welcome to Cloud9Fin, the podcast where we stick our hands into the bargain bucket of the bond market and come out with shrimp, am I right?
1: Yes, that's correct. Endless shrimp.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll get to that later, but for now, let's introduce ourselves. I'm your host, Will K. Smith,
1: And I'm Rachel Budd, Deputy Distress Editor for 9Fin in the US, and this is my first time on Cloud9Fin. Yes.
2: And I'm Max Frumus, Global Head of Distress for Ninefin, and this is also my first time on this podcast. Yeah, I bet you
0: didn't think your big big time Showbiz debut would be talking about Red Lobster, did you?
2: Hey, I got a notice of appearance on petition, so <laughs>
0: very true. All right. Speaking of which, um allow me to briefly set the scene because some listeners might be aware of Red Lobster, but they might not yet know that Ninefin covers distressed in the us now although thanks to you two probably a lot more of them do know that than a few months ago um both of you joined ninefin quite recently but i feel like in the relatively brief time you've been with us so far you and the rest of our growing distress team have made a pretty big splash um i mean i'm saying this so you don't have to feel awkward about bigging yourselves up but maybe a good way of illustrating the impact you've had so far would be to talk about some of the big stories you've worked on since you joined
1: well, um, I joined earlier last year, so I will go first. Um I think one of the biggest stories this year is Dish, given the cast of characters involved. We got a very colorful co founder of the satellite company and over ten billion of debt, which covers a swath of lenders and bondholders. And um the co founder is known for his scorched earth tactics and ability to ride through the ups and downs of the market. So this is definitely one of the more contentious situation after the company announced move to move valuable assets out to another subsidiary. And uh, we have covered a great deal about every single uh, move that the company has done and also what the creditors think. Um,
0: That's a cool one for Ninefin as well, because we've been covering Dish for quite a long time in the U.S., Um, our colleague William Hoffman has done some phenomenal work on it and now it's gone you know from from performing to distressed so firmly firmly in your camp
1: yes that is certainly one of the juiciest one um, in our world and I have to bring up Equinox as well very recognizable name Um, a lot of subscribers must know about it and they are looking to raise over a billion of new financing to refinance your debt that's coming due this year, and they're going for private credit money, which is very topical these days. So um, they got a week or so until their forbearance agreement ends, so we'll see what they come up with.
0: Nice. And Max, what, what about you? What are some of your favorites and greatest hits so far this year?
2: Uh, well, I I love reporting on everything uh, liability management, and uh, so there's there's been a couple of uh, uh, really interesting ones. Uh, I'll just mention go to. Which formerly known as Log Me In, and then Apex Tool Group, which we could talk a little bit about later, but they kind of highlight this trend of getting uh, a, an ad hoc group uh, a, a favorable exchange on a discounted exchange where they tranche the debt and, and break up the priorities without having to up tier or drop down. Uh, uh, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about liability management later, but those are some interesting ones where 9Fin has been out in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, The other one that I wanted
0: to shout out is InViva. You know, Rachel, you mentioned Dish, and I pointed out that we've been covering that one way before it was distressed. Um, InViva is another kind of example like that. Um, I actually remember covering their original green loan back in 2021, which raised a few eyebrows. And then early last year, our colleague Nicole Liu published a really thorough investigation into whether the company's financial policy and dividend payments were really sustainable. Um, and then a few months later, our other colleague Sasha and you, Rachel, um, broke a ton of news about the company's descent into distress.
1: Right. And that includes identifying the mystery counterparty, RWE, yep. um, in these disastrous contracts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also, quick shout out to our colleague, Kartik, who joined Ninefin as a senior distressed analyst last year, did a sensational deep dive into Enviva just before Christmas. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off topic here because for better or worse, my favorite distress story so far this year across any news provider in this niche, be it petition or anyone else, um, is Red Lobster.
1: Yes, our favorite uh, shellfish focus chain.
0: <laughs> so, Rachel, you broke this story and it's quite an epic tale of a promotional offer gone wrong. Um Can you really draw a direct line between Red Lobster's ultimate endless shrimp promotion and the company's uh, quite dizzying descent into financial distress?
1: Yes, it is the main driver of Red Lobster's troubles. Um, They rolled out this $20 unlimited shrimp offering, which is designed to bring in traffic. And it did boost traffic uh, during slower time of the year, which is typically third quarter and fourth quarter of the year. And... Uh, ultimately, it was a lost driver because they didn't expect so much demand for this promotional offer, and it, it wound up to be a total lost driver. Yes. So, they boosted the price a little bit to $22 in it now.
0: Who could possibly have foreseen this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, the offering is one thing. Also, the other driver is the leases which they have to restructure and that is why they brought in a host of advisors uh, on board to try to renegotiate unprofitable leases.
0: I guess in hindsight there was always something fishy about the promotion. Uh, Thank you. But anyway Max I wanted to bring you in here as someone who's been in and around the distressed debt beat for quite a long time. Um, And for any listeners who aren't familiar, Max co-authored the Caesars Palace Coup, which is the definitive account of one of the bloodiest distressed debt debacles in the history of distressed debt debacles. Um, And in many ways, maybe the event that marked the dawn of the fast moving and creative distressed credit markets we know today. Um, So anyway, Max, as someone who's been following these markets for many years, I'm wondering how the Red Lobster situation stacks up in your ranking—I'm sure you have one—of favorite financial policy mishaps. It's—it's
2: uh, uh, it's certainly the one that lends itself to the most puns and headlines. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, there there's a couple of others this year that uh, have multifaceted um, restructuring uh, negotiations that have been going on. Uh, which includes the the one with Lumen uh, that recently struck a deal after very hard fought negotiations amongst several tranches of, of of debt uh, debt holders, and uh, ultimately one where they had to get the revolver lenders on board to to get the deal um, done. It hasn't been fully closed yet. Uh, Diamond Sports is still hanging out there. Yeah. A- Amazon's come in as the, the white knight, and there's a lot of different moving parts there that involve, you know, the Major League Baseball, like NBA, hockey, uh, uh, as well as a number of distressed and then par investors as well uh, that are all jockeying to try to recover pennies on the dollar from their original uh, uh, secured loans. Uh, and, uh, and that is uh, we broke news on on a, on a competing dip that was just outright rejected uh, by by the debtors because essentially the, the backstop group that's bringing the dip right now uh, helped get Amazon on board. I feel like Jeff Bezos has a thing about jumping in and
0: rescuing legacy media, right? He bought the Washington Post, now he's bought Diamond Sports. Well, at the right price. <laughs> All right, so back on LME, um, you know, Max, you've talked a lot about liability management exercises and lme and i'm doing exaggerated air quotes here because i feel like the market has somehow maybe disagree i don't know has someone sleepwalked into just accepting the term liability management which to me at least feels like quite a benign sounding description for what can end up often being quite contentious transactions um but i feel like lme especially kind of aggressive creative lme is is already one of the big stories in distress so far this year right
2: Yes, definitely. It's uh, I mean, it's it's our favorite euphemism. Uh, you know, if you want to be really uh, sensational about it, you can call it credit on creditor violence. Everyone loves that one. Uh, you know, but u- ultimately, it's it's just where uh, there are are creditors that may come in as distressed investors and then wind up taking a position that excludes some original par lenders and uh, sponsors that want to extend their option in a company that is failing instead of handing over the keys. So, uh, there's this opportunity to get a deal with, um, you know, sometimes if it's a loan, sometimes you only need 51% of those lenders to agree to a transaction that could ultimately subordinate the 49% of similarly situated holders. And so, there's a lot of prisoner's dilemmas that have been created. And, uh, like, the reputational harm has been shown even back to the day of Caesars, that in the worst case scenario, and you alienate all of your creditors, you will ultimately be forgiven if you bring enough deals to market. <laughs> and so there's there's a huge incentive to uh, 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 be first and, and strike a deal that may leave uh, some people uh, pretty upset. Mm. Right. And you've got you to spin the message just right, haven't you? And I think
0: that there was a story that you wrote recently that, that kind of... Um... It was quite revealing about that aspect of the LME market,
2: right? There's so many liability management transactions that are are, are coming out right now. One because bankruptcy is uh, becoming more and more expensive, uh, uh, and, and two because there's a large. Uh, a, a maturity wall coming up uh, for these broadly syndicated loans that o- allow for the types of most aggressive ones. That there's even a, an entire PR group that has formed, focused on lively management. That's uh, launched by a former Kirkland lawyer uh, called C, St- C Street. We got the exclusive breaking the news of that that new group forming, and I'm sure that there's going to be others across the uh, the communications sphere. Yeah,
0: it's um. You know, the, the battle over how these transactions are perceived is is pretty important. I mean, you can see that from some of the recent debates in court over situations like in Cora and Robert Short get pretty contentious. Um, but before we let LMEs take up all of our airtime here, um, I want to briefly go back to Red Lobster. Sorry, just can't help myself. Um, basically, the reason I want to talk about it is I think it's interesting that this is a situation where a company that was struggling made a gutsy call g- going kind of all in on a promotional offer. And ultimately, that promotional offer of eat as much shrimp as you like for what was it? Twenty five dollars. Something like that. Great deal. Um, anyway, ultimately, that that promotional offer had unintended consequences. And speaking of unintended consequences. That makes me think of another really big story in distress over recent months, which is the healthcare sector and the No Surprises Act. And Rachel, you did a massive and very deeply reported story on this last year, and I kind of want to get an update on what the latest is for some of those companies. Um, But maybe first, for listeners who aren't familiar, you could just recap the general gist of the No Surprises Act and why it's had some unintended consequences for some quite highly levered healthcare companies.
1: Sure. So I'm sure... Everyone in the States have had times where you walk into a hospital and you come back and receive a massive bill for all types of services and fees that you didn't expect. And No Surprises Act is a legislation designed to prevent that from happening uh, and shield patients from these large unexpected bills from out-of-network providers. And the rollout of this legislation came in early 2022, and that has really hit A lot of healthcare companies because they're already facing really high labor costs and also um, really strained dynamics between insurers and um, these service providers and the legislation basically tipped the dynamics even further for insurance companies which are giants like united
0: right because now they can just they can just question Right. The charge up front and just kick it into appeal, right?
1: Right. And they have the means and the time um, to go through a really long legal battle, whereas these smaller um, healthcare companies are already over levered, already grappling with a a high cost environment, have to deal with um, these lengthy battles. So um, I did a a dive on all these companies that are in trouble, and um, some are still playing out. Uh, radiology Partners, for example, um, is trying to refinance their debt and trying to bring in preferred equity as part of the deal um, to make it happen. And uh, we'll see where that goes, but um, that's been going on for a while. And Global Medical Response is an ambulance um, um, company, uh, helicopter ambulance company that has also been Mildly affected by uh, this legislation, and they're facing a uh, massive maturity wall coming up uh, next year. So, those are the few names I would watch out for.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's not like it's cheap to borrow as well. If you at the moment, if you've got debt to refinance, um, nope, and you're struggling to boot. Um, and I guess <laughs> I'm coming back to Red Lobster again. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. One of the more recent trends in distress this year is consumer, for example restaurants but there's other consumer stuff outside the restaurant space and max in our last weekly newsletter you talked about a conspicuous lack of consumption which um aside from being a uh, a nice turn of phrase um i thought was an interesting kind of trend um there's a few consumer focused distress situations going on at the moment maybe you can just recap some of the some of the main ones that you've covered recently
2: yeah, for you know, for several years, it, it seemed as if every retailer that you know was going by the wayside because of the competition from uh, online online retailers, every mall retailer or or uh, bricks and mortar retailer uh, had failed or or was going to fail, and then ultimately um, filed for bankruptcy at the beginning of, of the pandemic in twenty twenty. Uh, And, like, by last year, everything seemed like it was either restructured or on pretty steady footing, but it turns out there's this combination of factors, including um, uh, quick turnarounds in 2020 for companies that, that came out with unsustainable capital structures, including Belk. Uh, are, are still facing the same problems that they faced beforehand, uh, or there was you know cheaper available capital that kept them out of restructuring at the time that is no longer available in, in the era of, of higher interest rates. Mm. So uh, these you know these like five retailers got their fourth quarter reports back and uh, and it, they didn't have the holiday seasons that they were expected. And are are now facing some types of reju- uh, restructuring negotiations, or at least stress or distress, including jo- Joanne's, Michael's, so jo- Sachs, Children's Place, et cetera. Michaels,
0: Sachs, Children's Place, and you mentioned Belk as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, you know, that's that's just five examples. Um. But Express. Oh yeah, six examples. There we go. Technically, all you need for a trend is three. Um, and that makes me wonder, do you think this distress in the consumer space has a broader read across into the health of the U.S. economy as a whole? I mean, we've been talking about an impending recession for nearly two years now um, and still hasn't technically happened. Um, but then you get a spate of consumer restructurings and bankruptcies and whatnot. And you do wonder, like, should should we be worried that a, a U.S. kid's household name clothing chain is being bailed out by a Saudi investment firm? that's children's place by the way
2: <laughs> uh, well i mean you know who who knows i'm not going to predict another recession or anything like that I, I i will say though that there are a couple of you know clear structural factors that are just you know fundamental changes in industries like healthcare like tmt uh, continuing in in retail that uh, have met up with this this era where there are uh, you know billions and billions of dollars of uh, of credit out there that are governed by credit documents that are fairly loose and open for interpretation, where there can be games being played out of court before there is the need for a bankruptcy. Uh, and that they are, you know, issued by companies that are not going to be able to refinance in a regular way uh, because they were issued at a time when LIBOR was near zero. Uh, so th- those factors are, are going to make a a, a a very busy uh, restructuring and distressed environment for the next year, even without a recession. And then, you know, if there is one, then even more so. Right. Lots of fun and games on the horizon. Um,
0: and just more broadly max i know you have some big plans for nine fins distress coverage um maybe you can just give listeners an idea of what they can expect from you and the rest of the team in the months to come
2: uh well i you know hopefully a bunch of uh, uh you know scoops that you can't get anywhere uh, else and uh, you get here first uh, uh, mixed with some great writing uh but it, you know in general we are going to cover all of this this increasing trend of the uh, the negotiations that are going on between Especially sponsor-backed credit uh, I- uh, credits and issuers, and the the different creditor groups that that are are forming. Uh, with the plan of doing an out-of-court restructuring, especially that requires a close read of the credit documents um, between the legal and the financial and the reporting teams that we have here, combined with the technology of Ninefin, I think we were really able to identify a lot of these uh, a lot of these situations and the game theory behind them, as well as the different financial and legal analysis first, and then and then provide it to our clients and subscribers uh, in, in a way that that no one else does. Yeah, I feel like you
0: guys came on board at exactly the right time very very happy to have you um so yeah i think that's all we've got time for this week but thank you both for taking some brief time away from the news cycle to make your cloud ninth in debut and uh we'll get someone to unlock the studio door now you're free to go thank you <laughs> thanks this has been fun thank you <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we've got time for this week. Thanks once again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, or if you didn't, please drop us an email at at teamat9fin.com with any feedback. We love to hear it. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks. And before then, you should check in with our European team over in London next Thursday. So until next time, as always, take care.